What's going on, everybody? It's your host, Rob Marsh. Listen to the Rims and S podcast, episode 51, segment one. Let's get into it. All right. Um, we got a lot to talk about. Like I mentioned in the preview, it's a packed show. We're going to obviously talk about my Boston Celtics clinching the number two seed. Basically waiting for their opponent tonight, which the play-in tournament starts tonight. They, um, It's either going to be the Brooklyn Nets, most likely, against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Because the Brooklyn Nets are looking good right now as far as the injury report. I just looked at the injury report, and they looks like they got Seth Curry coming back. They got Goran Dragic coming back. So that's going to really help bolster their bench. And then you have Cavs still not going to have Jared Allen. So Jared Allen is out. So we're going to, you know, kind of dive deep into that matchup, see who's the better matchup and how potentially a Nets-Celtic matchup will be. And maybe we'll look at, you know, the Cavs, how they would fare out if they happen to pull on Miracle tonight. Um, But I don't know, man. I just think it's going to be really hard for the Cavs to win that one. At least the Cavs have a second chance. If they lose this one, they still can play the second game and at least get the eighth seed. And then they can potentially play against a Miami Heat team that's pretty beatable, I would say. I mean, people always say that they're beatable. But once you play them, they realize, like, okay, they're not. They're, you know, they always overlook Miami. Miami is a team that's just. They're number one for a reason, okay? Like, they are a great, fundamentally sound basketball team, and they play very good defense. So, but they just see, oh, they don't have high-end talent. So, let's go. Let's see if we can have a chance against them. But as far as that goes, but, yeah, like, you got the second playing. You got Clippers and T-Wolves. That would be a pretty good game. But, uh... As far as, like, you know, everything with the Celtics, we're going to get into that along with, you know, the Robert injury, Robert Williams injury, how that's going to affect them in the first round as far as the matchup goes, potentially what, what their potential matchup could be. Um, we'll probably get into, a, you know, a little bit of March Madness as far as, like, concluding that. That happened about a couple weeks ago, obviously, you know, I wasn't there to completely uh, review everything. Well, I mean, the last podcast I did kind of talk about, I think the uh, the first couple of rounds, I did talk about some of the matchups or whatever. So we're going to conclude that Kansas was able to win the championship against a very good North Carolina team that pretty much beat the odds, was able to beat Duke in that Final Four game. Um, and also we'll talk about the great season that Providence Friars had under uh, head coach at Cooley. He's the only one coach of the year. He's got a very talented team, man, that almost, you know, gave Kansas a little scare, which ended up being the, the, the national champion for the year. So we'll definitely give them their praise. And to probably wrap up, you know, the segment, 
Um, talk about Duke, how they completely had maybe the most talented team out of anybody in the country, and they still found a way to lose on Coach K's last game or his last season as a coach. I mean, if you look at their roster from top to bottom, and even if they're starting five, all those guys that are in their starting five is going to be potential NBA draft picks, potentially first-round draft picks at that. And who knows if they're slipping. I might look at it right now, look at the list on ESPN to see if any of those guys are slipping because, you know, they kind of completely underachieved. I mean, I think with the talent level that they had, they should have at least, at least been in the championship game and probably should have won it all. Like, you let an 8C North Carolina team beat you twice. They beat you on your home court, spoiled the last home game for Coach K, and then, but yeah, like I said, I'm just going to really rant on that later on. I'm just kind of just giving you a little preview right now. But, like, yeah, I just think it's just completely – um, complete. They're, com- they're complete frauds as far as like just how they can literally have ten McDonald's All Americans on their team and then they can't really do what they're supposed to do is win it all. So we'll get into that later on in the show. A little, little, I'll be ranting, kind of just you know undressing them for their unexcusable end of their season. So yeah, as far as like the Celtics go, uh, they they pretty much dominated the Grizzlies the last game of uh, game eighty two of the season. Maybe because Memphis decided to sit all their starters, John Morant and the company didn't play, so it was a pretty easy cupcake type of game. They were playing against a whole bunch of G leaguers, but don't get me wrong, they were a pretty scrappy team. I watched the game. Uh, they had a guy named, uh, what's his name? John Concher. I think he had like a triple double. Like he, he was balling out there. He definitely was showing us that, you know, you, you, you can't overlook guys just cause they look a certain way and they think, oh, he's, he's trash, dude. Like he's not gonna fuck, excuse my language. He's not gonna, he's not gonna ball out like this. And he's probably going to be airballing all these shots, put Marcus Smart on him or put, you know, Jalen Brown on him. He'll be shitting his pants. And literally, you know, he literally had a triple-double. And there was another guy, too. They had a couple guys that was like, man, like, these guys are balling out here. And they're really giving the Celtics, you know, a run for the money, especially in that first half. And I think after that second quarter, when Tatum made a huge run all on his own, hit that, you know, that four-point play, he was, like, uh, screaming, like, wow, twice. <laughs> I mean, Tatum's not a trash talker. I mean, I just remember uh, Scalabrini just, like, really picking on him, just saying, like, oh, like, wow, wow. Like, I, Tatum is not known for trash talking. I was just like, leave him alone, leave him alone. He's not he's not known for trash talking. <laughs> but... I mean, the guy can flat out ball. He's having an unbelievable season. And where would this team be if Tatum didn't decide, you know what, I'm going to completely go to a different level 
you know, maybe before the season, you was looking at him as maybe like a 15 or 10-ish type of player as far as, like, you know, better players in the league. But right now, he pretty much is right just outside, if not inside the top five of best players in the league. Like, he is completely skyrocketed with his efficiency. And it's not any it's not any shot he can make on the floor. Like, he literally can... um. Do it all. He can obviously drive to the rim. He could post up a little bit from from the mid post, from the you know 15, 17 foot area. He can hit those mid range shots. He can shoot those fadeaway shots from that area. He can drive off of those mid range posts. He can hit threes, but that's probably one of his favorite shots. He he's a very high efficient three point shooter. Well, his efficiency could be a little bit better. He's only shooting forty five percent this year. But that's because he really shot. There was times during the year he did shoot very poorly. So if you take away all those, you know, those shooting slumps he had early in the year, you would see him probably, you know, shooting around 47, 48, maybe possibly 49%. He was, he was, he's just, he's that type of player in which he probably will be next year. If he doesn't win the MVP next year, man, that will be a huge, huge, like Draymond Green said in his uh, podcast, um, he had him on his podcast recently. Which that's the thing, he's been on a lot of podcasts too. Like he's been on the JJ Reddy podcast, he's on Draymond Green's podcast. Just really, you know, coming out of his shell somewhat. He's more of a laid back type of guy. Doesn't really talk as much. But now you're starting to see his personality. You're starting to see him kind of become a leader. You know, have you know, trying to. You know, really starting to learn how to be a little bit more assertive. And his qualities are starting, his personality is starting to show out. And you got to love it. You got to love it as a Celtic fan because this is your cornerstone player. And he's taking a huge leap that really needed to be done. Um, We knew it was going to come eventually, but we didn't know when. And this year, he's definitely... Last year, I thought I'd seen a little bit of that last year. Last year, he was pretty... He made a he made a jump last year, too. But he still wasn't as, you know, dominant as he is. This year, he's dominant. I don't, it's, it's times where he's like, how can you stop him when he's engaged? When And it's not even that. That's probably the issue with him, uh, you know, in previous seasons is that he wasn't engaged enough. He wasn't taking the shots he should be taking. His shot selection was very poor at times. This year, I don't think he's taking that many bad shots at all. You know, if they don't go in, they don't go in for him. But I can't say to him, oh, that was a bad shot. Same thing with Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart, you know, him... Both, both like him, Marcus Smart, and even Jalen Brown, they all have been taking pretty quality shots for the most part. They're not taking any really bad shots they shouldn't take. They're moving the ball really well. The ball movement's been great. Um, guys are cutting to the rim. Jalen Brown's cutting to the rim. Who, who, who would have thought that? I thought he was mostly just a corner cut, you know, guy that sat at the corner. Or if he didn't get the ball... You know, he wouldn't score. So that that's like a difference with him. He's more like, all right, if I don't get the ball, I'm not going to score. Or either 
I will either like hit a corner jump shot or hit a uh, three on the wing. But Jalen's doing a better job of at least moving himself and just cutting to the rim. Sometimes I, you know, he can, I don't know, like he can make silly mistakes. Like they were a little sloppy in that Grizzlies game. They caused a lot of turnovers, but I get it. It's the last game of the season. It's kind of like, you know, when you're in school, you know, it's like the last week of school. You just don't really give a crap about anything. Because you're just worried about just getting, you know, starting the summer vacation. That's kind of how game, game 82 is, game 81, game 80 is. Because it's like, like, that's probably what's good about the NBA is that they were able to get the playing games. It, it kept the focus up until all the way, game 82. And that's when you started seeing guys be unfocused about certain things because they knew they had a lot to play for in those last games. So. The playing game definitely created a lot of that, but uh, but like I said, yeah, they t- they took care of business, you know, on Sunday, won the second seed, and now we wait tonight to see who's gonna be their um, who they're gonna be playing on Easter Sunday because that's gonna be game one is Easter Sunday, with the playoff start on Saturday. They were able to get that extra day off, so that helps. They get a full week off, so that's definitely awesome to get that full week off as we wait to see who's going to play them tonight. Um, if you look at the matchup, you got Nets versus Cavs. Um, I just mentioned the injury report already early in the show. The Nets, they got Goran Dragic back. Which he had a good game against them the last time these uh, last time they played the Celtics at at TD Garden, he played well. Seth Curry not so much, but we all know he can get hot any time. He's one of the better shooters out there. Him and his brother are are great at shooting the three. So you got to worry about that, and plus you got to worry about Kyrie, Kevin Durant, you know. Their stardom is just obviously we all know what they can do, and they got they got pretty good role players: Drummond, Bruce Brown, a couple of young guys. I would say outside of those, maybe five or six guys, they got a lot of younger players that are like Ricky's, like uh, Kessler Edwards, and it's crazy. They rather choose to play. See, Nash rather plays choose those guys over playing. You know, uh, LaMarcus Aldridge and Blake Griffin, those guys are bench warmers right now, which is kind of hard, crazy to say that they would. I don't know if he's going to play them in the playoffs. I have no idea. But as far as I know, they've been like, they like to play a lot of the young guys. Edwards, Bruce Brown, um, who's the other guy? Claxton. So they got a pretty solid, um, rotation of guys even after the trade but um and then as far as the Cavs go if they were to win tonight I mean you obviously got to worry about the front court of Mobley which is having a great season um Mobley obviously you know the guards, uh, Darius Garland is is really good. 
he definitely can give you a lot. He was an all-star this year. Kevin Love comes off the bench for them. Then you got uh, also, like I said, Jared Allen. But Jared Allen won't be playing today. So that's going to be obviously a huge loss for them, not having Jared Allen. I mean, I think... If they had Jared Allen, it would be a lot different game. It would be a lot different game if they had Jared Allen, but because the Nets, I think the the probably the weakness with the Nets is their size. Like if you don't, if you have size, you can definitely bother the Nets. They're not the best rebounding team. They're pretty fairly small at, at that. You know, obviously Drummond gives them a little bit more size, but that's gonna be definitely gonna hurt them. But I think. Cavs do, like I said, they were able to get Karis LeBert in the trade in, in the um, midseason. They they have Laurie Markkinen still. Isaac Okoro could probably guard Durant at times. Rajon Rondo they were able to get early in the year. But, man, that's a huge loss when they lost Colin Sexton, though. Imagine if they had Colin Sexton. That would be everything for them as far as like their playoff chances as far as like maybe possibly winning like one round because they had a very good start of the season they were very good but like the Jared Allen injury really does hurt them a lot and I don't know how they're gonna really um you know really contain Kyrie to really because Kyrie can get to the rim now you know without Jared Allen but let's see what Evan Mobley can do Obviously, as a Celtic fan, I'm obviously going to be cheering for the Cavs regardless. But, yeah, man, this is rough for the Cavs. They're obviously not going to be in a good position. Hopefully, they can get them back. So, if they do lose this game, hopefully they can get them back possibly the next game. We'll have to see. Because obviously it'll be a little easier game. You get the winner against the nine and the ten, which is the Hawks versus the Hornets. That might be a better matchup for them. You know, as far as like them just winning that and then possibly going to face off against the Miami Heat. I think I seen. I was looking up. I seen a graphic of them saying that they wanted to go for the eighth seed, so they might even throw this game in order to just say, you know what, we don't got a chance, especially if it gets ugly. And, you know, KD and Kyrie really poured on early on. They might just throw in the towel and say, you know what? We're better off just preparing ourselves for the, for for you know, the potential uh, Hornets-Hawks matchup. Because, you know, like I said in, in the, you know, to, like I said in the intro, you got, what would you rather face for the Cavs? Would you rather face the Celtics, which are playing really 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 good right now and they're they're a hot team right now or do you want to play the Miami Heat which you know you look at they they're high they don't have that much high-end talent unless you would consider Bam at a Bayou a high-end talent and maybe Tyler Hero they really don't have that much high-end talent so obviously you would think maybe Miami Heat would be a better matchup for the Cavs compared to you know, the Celtics have more high-end talent with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. So, and of course, they're great defense. So, 
me seeing that graphic really did make sense. And it does, in a sense, it does make a little bit of sense for the kids. I still think the Miami Heat will beat them in a seven-game series. But maybe you might have a better chance of beating them compared to Celtics. With I think the Celtics will definitely dominate that matchup. And maybe possibly win it in, you know, five to six games. Where Miami, you never know. They can... But I just, like I said, you can't just sleep on the Miami Heat because I just think people overlook how good Tyler Hero is, how good Bam Adebayo is, how great their defense is, how physical they are, and how they just completely make the game so difficult for you with their play, with the way they, where their style of play is. You just can't overlook them. But teams always do because they don't look at, the, they look at their roster. It's, oh, they got Max Struess out there as a starter and, like, come on, man. Like, this. But Max Struess has been great this year. Like, guys, a uh, great shooter. They got Duncan Roberts is a great shooter. Obviously, Tyler Hero. So it's like, you can't overlook them. Kyle Lowry, we all know what he can bring to the game. So I don't know why people overlook the Heat. Jimmy Butler, one of the better two way players out there, quietly has had a pretty good season. So it's like, they overlook the Heat, but. They still have quality talent. May not be high-end talent, but they still have quality talent, and they're balanced, and they're deep. And, they, have, and they, like I said, they play great defense. They have one of the better defensive bigs in the, in the entire NBA. So I don't know why Cavs would want to, to face off with Heat over the Celtics, but I, I can understand why it could be a better matchup for them. But either way, they're going to get beat either way. It doesn't really matter. Like, both teams, Celtics or Heat, could easily beat them in a seven-game series. But most likely, that probably won't happen anyways, as far as, like, them winning tonight. When we're talking about tonight, they're probably most likely not going to win tonight. So that's probably why they said, you know what, let's just go for the eight seed because we're not going to win tonight anyways. So unless they pull out a miracle... I hope they do, man. I mean, I'll be cheering them on if they do all the way, but most likely we're going to have potentially a Nets matchup. And, um, yeah, we'll see how it goes tonight. But, yeah, as far as, like, Rob Williams' injury goes, um, they first, you know, gave him surgery, which is already two weeks ago since that surgery happened. Um, they said 46 weeks. Knowing the history with the Celtics and their injury, um, injury history, far as like them, you know, saying like, oh, well, Kevin Garnett, he'll be back by the playoffs. And he never came back. And when he did come back, he re-injured himself. Then you have Jermaine O'Neal had a, you know, chronic knee injury. Oh, oh, Jermaine O'Neal will be back. He'll be ready for the playoffs. He did come back, but he was never the same guy. Never was effective. And it took him a while to even come back. In the, and he just never was effective. Shaquille O'Neal, same thing. Had a calf injury. And that was a chronic type injury, too, for him. At his age, he was... Thinking, when we did, when the Celtics got Shaq, he was about pretty much at the last, leg, last legs of his career. At 36 to 37 years old. And he had a calf injury. He came back, I think, around, you know, a little bit un- under the all-star break, ended re-injuring it. Then, 
Then it's oh yeah, he he'll be back by the playoffs. He comes back, isn't really the same guy. I think he played maybe, you know, he'll play like short stints, but he was never like anything that you would need him to be. And he, he was clearly in the last legs of his career. He made an impact when he did play, but that's that's the thing when he did play. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it, you know, he wasn't really playing that much. He, he had a huge listen. They were good when he was playing, but then he got hurt. And then, you know what I'm saying? Like the the injuries, the Celtics, you know, the injury staff for the Celtics and how they project injuries is not the most trustworthy. That's pretty much my point. And yeah, you're saying a torn meniscus tear usually is a two month injury for the most part. It's usually. At least a two-month injury or hopefully, like I said, hopefully four to six weeks is the the timetable. Like, I want to be hopeful that is because that would land him in the second round. And as much as I'd love to have him right now against a potential Nets matchup, it's, you know, I just don't want him to rush back and, you know, potentially re-injure it. So... If I'm them, I just say, you know, try to be on the safe side with it and try to lean towards the, you know, maybe more six to eight weeks, more than four to six weeks. Because I just think you don't want to risk it. So, I mean, my assessment when I first heard the announcement of the injury, I said, you know what, we'll be lucky to have him back by conference finals. And that's just like my realistic take on it. I just think you don't want to rush him back. You want to make sure he's healthy and stuff. But he looked pretty happy, and 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 he looked like he was in good spirits. Like uh, he, like they interviewed him maybe about a couple weeks ago, right? The the same week that he had the surgery, and he looked like he was in really good spirits, and was able to walk off without a cast, or or. I didn't notice that if he had a cast on him um, or a knee, knee brace or whatever, but he might have had a knee brace. It might have been, no, he had to get sweats on that day and it might have been underneath his sweats or whatever. But he, I mean, as far as I know, he didn't have any um, crutches or anything. So it's not like he had a physical limp or anything. So, I mean, I guess that's a good sign. He is working, you know, rehabbing right now, you know, working on. So and they were saying he is, he's having two days. He's having two days to, to rehab, and he's really been really attacking it. So if he's attacking it, he could get come back maybe six, maybe seven weeks, maybe. But I'm like I said, do not bring him back no more no more than six. That's that latter part of the six to eight weeks. It should be in that range. It should not be sooner than that because you want to make sure and test it, make sure it's nice and, you know, tight and he feels comfortable. Because then it's a, it's a mental thing, too, that he has to get over, too, mental, mental, a lateral of, like, is my knee okay? I know it's not a really a Gordon, Gordon Hayward type of injury, but it's still, you know, it's still a somewhat of a serious injury. I want to say some. I don't really think. I want to say it's a serious. Not like it's a year type of injury, but it's a. It's a like a. 
It's more of like a medium edge type of injury where it can it it can definitely it's a, it's a, very, a very sensual uh tendon in the knee that you want to make sure that's tight and 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 really really make sure it's completely healed. You don't want it to be you know 90% healed and then as you're playing it it t- it continues to tear. You want to make sure it's that that tendon is completely healed. You know, because believe me, it's going to be hard against, you know, playoff teams where these guys are playing 100%. They're playing hard. It's not like, you know, in the regular season, you're playing a little bit more, you know, I wouldn't say half-assed, but more like you're more like, um, what I, what I would say. You're, you're not playing full speed. At least I would say that. You're not playing full speed. And I just hope they can... The Celtic, you know, the injury staff, they do a good job of making sure he's completely 100% healed. You know, do all your x-rays and stuff to see, make sure that that tendon is completely healed. Because you really don't want to take chances. He's a young player. You want to make sure he's healthy for the long haul. That's more important. than I really I really think, like, if next year is probably the, the year where you're expected to win next year. Coming into next season, this team should definitely be should be a top contender next season. You know, so I'm not like I'm not putting all my chips into this year. Listen, it's always good to say, you know what, we're gonna do our best to be the you know, go as far as we can and hope and hope for the best. I mean, ideally they should be at least the Eastern East even without Rob Williams. I think they you, you, if we could get through this Potential tough first round matchup. I mean, you all you got two you got home court advantage for two rounds, so you should be able to take advantage of that. Beat the Nets. If it comes down to seven, at least you have your home. At least you have your uh, you have a home game at home. I mean, you have game seven at home, so you could depend on that. And then you have, and then like I said, and then you have this potential second round, which most likely could either be the Sixers or the Bucks. Which I think, the way it looks right now, it's going to be the winner of that Sixers, uh, the Sixers Raptors game. The winner of that will pretty much, uh, you'll see that team in the second round. So, yeah, I just think that's going to be, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they do. Without you know, without Rob Williams, and will the defense be the same? And a lot is definitely accounted to that. Well, we're gonna get into uh, you know the ending of college basketball in March Madness and how that went. What a what a run for Sid Peters. To start off, Cinderella team, they made it to the Elite Eight until they ran into a, a North Carolina team that wasn't going to allow that to keep going. Hubert Davis did a really good job with that North Carolina team. They really played at a high level. You know, when they needed, they played their best basketball when they needed to, and they were able to really shut down St. Peter's. But if you look at St. Peter's, man, what a team that they have. 
their coach is going to be the Seton, Seton Hall coach, which he played at Seton Hall. So that's, you know, that's a, you know, dream job for him to play, to coach at your Alamada. But how about St. Peter's? They were really good, man. They, 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 they show you that could, they could, they could go and, they have multiple guards. That's what I noticed about they have multiple guards that could slash and get to the rim. Um, very good, very good ball handlers, and they all could shoot. It's like they have like four or five different guards. They all could shoot. Even the, even they have like two stretch bigs that could shoot as well. So, yeah, St. Peter's is that team. <coughs> Excuse me. St. Peter's is definitely that team. Uh, that had a great Cinderella run, but in uh, at, and then I would say Providence had a solid year as well under Ed Cooley. Um, yeah, Coach of the Year, AP Coach of the Year, definitely well deserved of that. They made it to the Sweet Sixteen. The first game they played against. North Dakota State, which I I made a prediction in the last pod saying that the North, excuse me, kind of stuffy right now. I do have allergies, but uh, North Dakota State um, was going to say that they looked like they had a chance to really uh, give them a run for the money and get an early, early round upset. As there was really a trendy pick, and I was, I said, you know, I was, you know what? I do like what Providence has done this season, but this could be the last game for them because North Dakota State's got some guys that are pretty good. You know, I believe they have a guy, a lefty that's pretty good. Uh, Shemmeyer, I believe that's his name. Uh, which is a potential NBA player. They say he could be a potential second round pick. So, so they have they had a lot of um, a lot of offensive firepower coming into that game. But Providence did a good job. Really did a good job of defending them. Really made it tough for them. Um, Reeves was making making some work out there from three. I thought Reeves had a good game. Um, Bynum had a good game. Nate Watson was tough inside, which, you know, Nate Watson had a, had a tough Big East run where they did a good job of defending him. They really didn't have much of an answer for Nate Watson inside, and that was probably the difference in the game, the defense, and just Nate Watson get going. And then you have the next game, you have Richmond, similar type of matchup. They didn't really much... Uh, much to you know, Richmond didn't really have the size to match up with Providence inside. But here's another guy that really stepped up, especially in the Kansas game. Um, and really just stepped up really like of late is Coswell. He really got going in that Richmond game as well. And then you have you had um yeah Manaya and and Bynum and Breed. They were doing. The usual defensive work. So that was a, a a a solid win as well against a pretty good Richmond team that won the Atlantic Ten this year. One of the top one of the Ten 
landed 10 teams this year. So, so they took care of business in second round. And then the Sweet 16 against Kansas. Kansas definitely looked kind of lethargic to start out. And it was a pretty slow plotting game where I thought Coswell really made a big difference in that game and had a coming out party as far as like just they were they were able to really shut down Nate Watson, not get him going, and Coswell was really somewhat of a a guy that was able to really change the momentum of the game. And then they started making that huge run in that um yeah, I believe it was like the run at the end of the second half. They made a huge run to really get back in the game because Kansas, they start out slow, but they still had to control the game. And I think, you know, I believe, as to be honest with you, I think it was like they had a really, the Providence team had a really good run in that 20 to 10, you know, time span in the second half. They made a huge run, but then Kansas completely turned it on in the latter part of the game, had a huge run and completely turned things around. Uh, McCormick, which I thought he had a very good tournament run. There was times that Abaji wasn't his best self, and, and McCormick was able to really dominate at times and really solidify himself inside, so... That was a, definitely a strong effort for Kansas in that one. They were able to, you know, knock off Providence in the end. So, and literally, you know, we end up seeing them go all the way. Christian Braun was good in that game as well. So, you had Christian Braun, you had McCormick, you had Remy Martin playing well. And those three guys were really key to really them why they won the national championship as well. Uh, Ibachi played well in that national championship game as well. Kind of finally kind of got out of his slump because he was struggling pretty much most of the tournament. And he really got going in that championship game against North Carolina. And that's all she wrote. But, but once again, congrats to Providence for at least making it as far as out of all the New England teams did. All the other New England teams pretty much lost in the first round. Uh, they went as far as the Sweet 16. So they... They did a good job of, you know, really, because Sweet 16, when you get to Sweet 16, I think that just shows you had a really successful season. You're one of the 16 best teams in, in the country, depending on, you know, the matchups and how it goes. They were able to take care of business, didn't have a strong, you know, matchup that they had to worry about. I, th- I still thought their first round game was pretty tough. You know, that was a pretty tough draw to, to get one of the better mid-majors in the country. But they took care of business, and they took care of business against Richmond. And they played pretty well against Kansas, against the team that was, you know, the eventual national champion. So, yeah, give Ed Cooley and that group a lot of credit for really defi- over, over, defying, pretty much defying the odds that Providence just wasn't a basketball school and, well, I mean, technically, they, that's their only major D1 program is basketball. But so you, by default, they are a basketball school, but they're not known as like a elite basketball school. They turned into a elite basketball school for a year, and they only lo- lost a handful of games in a pretty tough Big East, which we all know Villanova 
they made it to the uh, they made it to the final four so that just tells you the strength of the big east so gotta give up for providence definitely uh did a good job there but but how about duke <laughs> how about duke you lose to north carolina in the final four if you look at their roster man i mean <sighs> What could I say about I'm I'm gonna pull up the NBA draft board right now. What can you say about Duke that is just like, come on man. Like you have it it's pretty laughable. It really is. It's pretty laughable. They have a top five player in Polo Paulo Bonchero. He's number two on the ESPN, you know, best available list. Then you got A.J. Griffin. He's at number eight on the list. I just tell you it's all about team. It's not about individual talent. It's about team. Number 17 on the list is Mark Williams, which I think Mark Williams is probably one of the better defensive bigs in the country. One of the better shot blockers in the country. So you got one of the better shot blockers in the country. You got one of the better, you know, pure, like, Scoring bigs in the country in Paulo Benchero. Then you have A.G. Griffith to kind of do a little bit of everything. He's like more of like a, a two-way type player, uh, more of a 3-and-D type player. Then you have Trevor Keels, same thing. He played a little bit. Of, he played some two-guard for them. He's listed as a small forward under ESPN. He's at 25 on their list. Trevor Kills is kind of like Adrian Griffin. Does a little bit of everything. Um, was, and they have another one too, man. I'm not, I'm not gonna let them off the hook. When no more is listed as 34 on the list. That's out a little bit outside the first round. And he's an, he's another small forward. So I don't really think they had a point guard though. If you look at Kills, I guess Kills was technically their point guard. But he's not even listed as a point guard for, under their team. So maybe that might have been their, their Achilles heels. They didn't really have a point guard. But, yeah, I just think that was just you have all those players and yet you can't win at all. I mean, I think that's probably their Achilles heel was they didn't have a true point guard. Normally they do. They have they had Trey Jones. Uh, they Last year, the year before, they had Tyus Jones after him. Ironically, they're both brothers. And, yeah, they don't... They've always traditionally had good point guards that come to Duke. Kyrie Irving went there as well. Um, We all know about Jay Williams in the past. So, nah, that's just unacceptable. Unacceptable for a team that talented... To not win at all. But. <laughs> and then they lose it. They use the North Carolina twice. That's just unacceptable. But. Here we are. We, congrats to Kansas for winning it all. They were able to take care of business against uh, North Carolina. This is the second championship for them. Under Bill Self. Solid, solid year for them. And for Duke. Underachieving once again. 
All right, so we're going to wrap this up for the first segment. This is your host, Rob Morris. We'll be back for the second segment right after this.